Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the CONCACAF Champions League Review Show. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the special edition of the Feuerstein's Fire. Um, oh, excuse me. <coughs> American Soccer Show. It's going to be one of those things, unfortunately, that uh, that's going to plague me for a while now. But anyway, um, tonight, the CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinal first leg review show as we talk about those clubs in Major League Soccer as well as a few in Liga MX and, of course, the lone non-American Mexican-Canadian team, which is uh, Comunicaciones of Guatemala. And uh, all you can say in this first leg in these four matches, what the hell did we just see from our clubs in MLS on the U.S. side. I would say maybe tough loss by Montreal against Cruz Azul at the Estadio Azteca, but the truth of the matter is Cruz Azul squandered many, many opportunities. Um, they looked very, very poor, even though that you know, they're, you're the home side, you're the better side, obviously. You're playing at one of the best home field advantages in this part of world club football, international football. As we all know, the Mexican national team uses the Estadio Azteca. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> uses the uh, Azteca as their home field advantage. And, of course, many clubs in the past, of course, has used uh, the Estadio Azteca as their home club stadium, obviously. Club America, uh, Cruz Azul right now, uh, is using uh, the Estadio Azteca. Uh, at the same time, I believe there's another club. I think it's – and I could be wrong. It might be Nacaxa, but I don't – don't quote me on that. I'm not quite sure because I believe – that I may have made an error there. So just for now, ignore it. I'll try and look it up if I can. But once again, Montreal looked good. And if you walk away from the Estadio Azteca down by a single goal, even if you walk away down by a single goal in Mexico, depending on what parts of Mexico do have uh, altitude, then I would say you've got a pretty good chance to go home and play your home leg. And what Montreal did to Santos Laguna in the round of 16, which I have to say shocked the hell out of me because I never thought I would see Santos Laguna a club that has been one of the tougher clubs in Liga MX, or at least in Mexico. Um, not to say Club America is not tough. Not to say, you know, the other clubs uh, in Mexico who are known to being a tough club 
uh, are finding ways to, you know, defeat you when you get to Mexico. But still, though, it's a situation where, you know, for Montreal, if you walk out of Mexico only down by a goal, I think you're in perfect position to steal the tie. I think you're in perfect position to steal the series. And they did so in the round of 16 when they came back to the Stade Olympique, the Olympic Stadium in downtown Montreal, just uh, a stone's throw from Stade Saputo. And I really believe that Montreal may have found a way, if possible, to go out and really get a huge home win and dominate the aggregate. Just got to make sure Cruz Azul, because when it comes to Cruz Azul, I believe that they are, out of all the Mexican clubs that are still in the tournament, maybe now Club Leon are probably still in it, even though they got shellacked by the Sounders. But I really believe Montreal might sneak away here and eliminate Cruz Azul. But they have to make sure that they play with not just intensity, but smartness. Cruz Azul is a damn good club in Liga MX, and they're going to find a way to go out and take advantage of any missed opportunities Club de Foot Montreal may do. So they have to be extra, extra careful. And Nancy has to be aware of this. He's got to relay that to his roster over at the Estadio Aztec. Uh, excuse me, at the uh, Stade, uh, Stade Olympic. So this is going to be huge. Speaking about huge, Club Leon usually hosts the first leg in these CONCACAF Champions League games. They did so in the round of 16, and then they go on the road, and then they lose it at the end. They were able to beat Gustatoya handedly 3-0 on aggregate. They're on the road again to start their tie in the quarterfinals. And the Sounders, who are off to a poor start in league play, found a way to go out and just say, we're going to ignore our league form and we're going to go out and we're going to destroy Club Leon. And they did so. They absolutely did so. 3-0 at Lumen Field. Early goal, in the, early goal on a penalty spot. And then two in the second half. What can you say? What can you say when you have a club like the Sounders who know how to defend their home field <laughs> international? <coughs> Excuse me, international club competition. That is amazing to watch. 
and they really proved once again how important they take this tournament and how seriously they do take it. And I'm very happy to see that. Now, once again, and I understand CONCACAF does not want their prized club tournament This guy, you know, CONCACAF does not want to have their prized club tournament played at Yankee Stadium. They want to have it played in at least a stadium that is meant for the game. That, you know... You're playing these games in the north zone. You want Stad Saputo, not able to because of the cold, extreme cold in Montreal. So you go and play inside the Olympic Stadium. Toronto will always play at BMO Field. Vancouver Whitecaps will always play at BC Place. All MLS clubs right now, with the exception of New England Revolution, but they do play in a stadium that is meant to have football in it to go out and play these games. And when you have, and just like the Sounders, the same thing. They play at Lumen Field. That's a NFL stadium that's able to configure for football and soccer. And they're playing their games there. It's easy to set up. Portland has done a great job restructuring Providence Park to be a full-time soccer-only stadium with the extra seating, and that is absolutely fantastic. The majority of MLS clubs have their own stadium. Nashville just showed on Twitter the completion of their brand-new soccer stadium that's going to be ready to go this season. And it's a beauty. Absolute beauty. And I'm so thrilled. Inter-Miami, they're going to be playing in Fort Lauderdale until they get their brand new stadium in downtown Miami. Orlando has their downtown stadium on the other side of Church Street and along Interstate 4. Not far from Disney World. All three MLS Texan teams have their own stadium. Austin, of course, has the Q2. Houston has their downtown stadium, and that's a beauty. And once again, we have an issue with New York City FC being forced to leave a baseball stadium to play their games in a different location either Los Angeles, California, 
or up north in East Hartford, Connecticut. They refuse to go to MetLife Stadium. Obviously, the Red Bulls have said, no, you're not coming back in, or it was unavailable for NYCFC to host any home games. But once again, if you would have first secured the the land rights to build a stadium, and you would have done so as quickly as possible, and talk with the city, and you want to build it in an area that's either near Yankee Stadium or near a subway line or in an area where you hope to have at least some form of regular transportation. I think it would have worked out first. Get that done first then announce the club, and everything would have been fine. Because New York City politics is a pain in the rear end. I'm originally from New York City. I should know. Even in New Jersey, politics are horrible, and they're going to find a way to screw you. So all I can say is, is this. For New York City FC. As great as they've been so far, to put them all over the country, just to host a leg is already a disaster, and it has been a disaster for the club. But don't forget, talented team. They're doing well at the moment. So I give them credit for that. But once again, everything else will follow them, and there will always be a stigma no matter what. Other than that, I think it's great to see MLS clubs having an advantage on aggregate, and we could have MLS versus MLS in the semifinals. And that is what we're all hoping for, and we've never had that at all. I don't believe we've had MLS versus MLS in the semi in the semifinals and it would be awesome to see. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my guest tonight, it's going to be a great show and uh, to first come on live with me is uh, Mr. Sam Mitten from SB Nations the Bent Musket talking uh covering the New England Revolution and I would say Sam I would say that the Revolution, and I know it was tough not to have them perform in the round of 16 because of the expulsion of that small Haitian club because they couldn't get the visas uh, ready for it. Bruce Arena just said, look, we got two days extra. We got two league games to play. That's going to help us. And then you go out in the snow and you roll over on Pumas. Yeah, it was an absolutely amazing game to watch. More importantly, just because it was a bit nerve-wracking for a moment. You saw the Revs, you know, get that one nothing lead, but they kind of got stalled, and, you know, they were looking for that second and third goal because, you know, 
moved going down to Mexico, you need to get those goals and, you know, as many as possible. So to get that third goal, Bruce Arena was really talking about how important it was. But, you know, just to mention, uh, you were talking about, you know, obviously the lead up with Cavalli. It was very interesting because Bruce talked about a lot about it, how it hurt the team in the sense that, you know, they weren't able to get in form. It took them a while to, you know, get used to that. They played some scrimmages, but, you know, he, he viewed it as more as hurting the team, even though obviously they were able to advance. But, you know, the Revs, they seem, they seem to be playing some great soccer right now, and especially that they were able to pull out the 3 nothing win. That, that's huge, uh, preparing for Mexico. You know, I have to say, uh, great opening goal, Sebastian Legit. Obviously, veteran in this league. He's done so well since coming over from the LA Galaxy. Obviously, Bruce Arena knows him from his time with the Galaxy and other things. National team moment as well. Um, that opening goal in the 19th minute was just a thing of beauty and how he was able to punch that cross in. That was awesome. Oh, yeah. And credits, you know, I didn't exactly know what to expect from Sebastian Legit. Um no, obviously I expect him to play quite well, but didn't know what kind of player they'd be getting. And so far, he, he's been absolutely great. He's been linking up with Carlos Hill a lot. Um, you saw his goal in Portland. I thought that was a perfect demonstration of why the Rebs got him. He was in the right place. He was able to find that space in the box. And uh, first touch, was able to put it into the net. And I've been really impressed with him. He's been a great part of this midfield, again, working with guys like Carlos Hill, Adam Buxa, and Gustavo Bo. So, so far... Uh, when it comes to that signing that or that acquisition that Bruce Arena made, uh, A plus so far with how Sebastian Jets been playing. He's really been a key player for the Rebs so far. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. And like you said, there was a bit of a lull uh, going to halftime. But I mean, obviously, you. I, I mean, to me, the defense was very strong by the Revolution. I think they really psyched out Pumas. For the majority of the game, obviously the snow doesn't help these Mexican clubs, you know, really. But still, though, um, I really thought Bruce Arena, when he has to get the defense going to at least maintain a lead and then try to get that second goal, and then you try to get that third goal, uh, I just thought they played a brilliant match overall. Yeah, that was definitely the case. You know, you mentioned the defense, obviously. You have Omar Gonzalez, Andrew Farrell. Definitely fought Andrew Farrell. You know, was solid out there. Fought Omar looked uh, pretty decent as well, too. I think the star of the back line so far has to be Dewan Jones. He's looked like a completely different player this year. He kind of reminds me personally. Obviously, I don't think he's at that caliber yet, but of a guy like Tejon Buchanan, you know, he's going to get the ball on the wing, and he's going to go go against defenders, and he's going to have that confidence that no matter what I do, I'm going to get by you. I'm going to get that ball in the box. He's really been really impressive so far this season. He's definitely been one of the best in the back line. And even though, you know, you mentioned the back line, you could say that they were kind of under 100%. Obviously, Henry Kessler, he's out with a muscle injury at the moment. Uh, but you have that experience with Omar. And I thought to keep those Pumas from scoring goal was really impressive. You know, our photographer at the Bent Musket, uh, James Alexander Dolan, or excuse me, John Alexander Dolan, said that he saw Pumas kind of leaving uh, the match after 90 minutes, and they just looked like a team that was completely defeated. And so, kind of to your point, you know, it seemed like the Revs really controlled the match, and credit to them for doing that, because obviously, you know, there's the snow, but uh, Bruce Arena said to himself, if we want the snow to be a factor, we're going to have to play good soccer in order for it to be a factor. And 
you know, they went out and they played a, a complete 90 minutes of soccer, and they can feel confident uh, heading down to Mexico. And, of course, Adam Buxa, what can you say about the Polish international? Uh, scoring a brace late in the match, 72nd minute, second half stoppage time, really cementing this victory, this first leg victory. You come out unscathed, and you know what? Like you said, Pumas just – I've never heard a, a professional club – wanting to just walk off the pitch and not bother anymore. That is disgraceful in my book, but you know what? Um, It just goes to show you, and like I always say, I trust in Bruce Arena. No matter what club he manages, whether it be back in the early days of the league uh, with DC United, the U.S. men's national team, (laughs) the Red Bulls, (coughs) excuse me, LA Galaxy, and now with the revolution, I, I, I'm, I'm always respecting the man for what he has done and how he knows what the club needs to go out to play, not just lights out defense, not just to work well in the midfield, but the attackers and the, and the strikers, how to get ready to go. And the only way I think he fails, and I'm not saying – I'm not I'm not saying I want him to fail. I think he fails because of sometimes the league rules are just ridiculous. And I'll say this. If your revolution did not have to wait for a long period of time to play in the Eastern semifinal at home against New York City FC and lose in penalties, I really think the revolution would have gone straight to MLS Cup in last year. Yeah, for sure. You know, that was definitely a talking point with Bruce that that long layoff was definitely way more of a curse than a blessing than anything. So, you know, they've come back, you know, very, you know, motivated this year. And I thought a good move that Bruce made, he'll probably not get as much shine, but the move to include Arne Schuston in the starting lineup. He hadn't started until that game against Pumas. And obviously he has that international experience. So they be able to bring him on. And I thought he worked quite well in the midfield. And then also, too, just to touch upon Adam Busa, I think it was very good for him to get those two goals. You know, you could see that that first goal that he got. He, he was really excited about it. You saw it in a celebration, you know, sliding on a turf on a cold day. You, that goal must mean a lot to him. And so overall, it's been great to see that. He was also the first Revolution striker to score a goal uh, this season. So hopefully we can see our strikers continue to score more. But definitely what you want to see from Adam, especially with the European rumors that will – surely follow him into the summer, you know, he needs to continue to score goals and, you know, be an impact player like he was against Pumas. Now, I don't know if you watch uh, some of these ESPN shows on soccer. Obviously, there's ESPN FC. Now there's Football Americas with Sebastian Salazar and Hercules Gomez. I'm going to quote Herc because I think that he believes Pumas is officially done. Because if the Revs get an away goal during the second leg down in Mexico, he thinks that Pumas is completely done and they're going to be staying home forever. I mean, you know, I obviously I won't call myself a Liga MX expert, but, you know, obviously Pumas isn't doing that great down in Mexico. I, I wouldn't know if I'd go that far, but again, Herc is probably more of an expert than I am. 
Uh, but if they do get that one goal, I th- obviously I think it's definitely over for them in terms of you know this tournament. And I think obviously with how their standing is in Liga MX, uh, it could take a hit and you know they could drop off. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see what happens in terms of the after effect of this for Pumas. Uh, obviously, all the Revolution players are respected, you know, having to face the Liga MX side. Uh, but obviously, how they got in was quite interesting, I believe. It was just sort of how the points ended up, the halfway standing for them, and then they finished the season far off from the top. And then now, you know, again, not exactly performing well, and now you have the Revolution go out and beat them. So it definitely seems, uh, you know, like I said, our photographer describing them, you know, after the game, walking off the pitch and just seeming completely destroyed or just, you know, just completely lost after the match. You know, it seems like they're on that path. You know, these these wins are obviously for them, these losses can really take a toll on them. And maybe for all we know, you know, it could be a long time until we see them in CCL again. Exactly. I have to ask you this. And, you know, I've been following the league since 1996, after the World Cup in 1994. And obviously, we always have to compare or measure up to the great L tree on the national team level. Now, of course, being a part of the CONCACAF Champions League, that has been part of it as well. And the last time that we have seen a club sweep a Liga MX side, I personally have to go back to the Red Bulls run in 2018 and they had to play Club Tijuana, the the Zolos. They won 2-0 in Mexico at the Estadio Caliente. They won 3-1, 5-1 in aggregate at Red Bull Arena to move to the semifinals. And yeah, they lost to uh, Guadalajara, one of the top clubs in Mexico, because that's a tall task to face them anyway, like Club America. But to me, that's the first time that I have seen an MLS club sweep a Liga MX side in, in both legs in this tournament. Does that salivate your mind that the revolution could be the next one to do so? Oh, it, it's definitely exciting to see how far this team has come, you know, whether it be the Brad Friedel days, even just last season, you know, seeing how far the team has become. Now we're competing in Champions League, seeing what the club's able to do. You know, it's great to see. And it's also, you mentioned it, just the MLS really as a whole seems to really have stepped it up and, you know, is growing across the world. You know, you have Seattle, I know Herc was talking about on Football America, is where he said they had the most impressive win, you know, winning about Ladero and Rui Diaz. And, you know, just seeing them, you know, be able to, you know, have that performance, uh, you know, credit to them for beating up on uh, Leon. It's just great to see, you know, the amount of clubs that are advancing in MLS. But obviously, uh, if the Revolution can go down to Mexico and maybe uh, score a few goals and really put an exclamation point on uh, this uh, quarterfinals, that, that would be great to see and just shows, you know, how far the club has come. As well as, too, as you mentioned, the, the effect of having Bruce Arena as your head coach, it can really do wonders for a club. Yeah, it really does. So let me ask you another question here. Um, there's a possibility, not counting Communicaciones, uh, we don't know what they'll do in, the, in their home leg against New York City FC, but Seattle could eliminate Club Leon down in Mexico, Montreal, 
got out unscathed, only allowing a goal uh, by Cruz Azul down at the Estadio Azteca. We already talked about the revolution beating up on Pumas. What would it be like for soccer as a whole in this country that we could have the possibility all four MLS clubs remaining in the tournament going to the semifinals against each other? I mean, that that would be be a huge uh, statement for the league. I think more importantly, obviously, because, you know, like you mentioned, you know, we look at El Tri versus the U.S. men's national team. And, you know, we've made a leaps and bounds in terms of that where, where, you know, we're building a strong team. And I think when you look at the club level, it will just continue to boost uh, the level of MLS. You know, you now have South, South American players. We've seen a lot of uh, here in New England transfers from Brazil, you know, seeing the MLS as a stepping stone, not as a retirement, a stepping stone to, you know, possibly getting a career over in Europe. So I think it's just another, you know, milestone event if you're able to do that, where obviously the MLS can be taken more seriously. This is not just a place where David Beckham goes to uh, spend his last days. It's a place where you can go, prove yourself, and maybe get that big contract in Europe or just also have that standing that you have in the United States. Again, you know, the World Cup coming up, it's going to be a very important year when uh, that next World Cup after this one comes because that could really – soccer in the United States is already growing, and then if you attack, you know, the – Concacaf Champions League, you know, getting MLS teams are all MLS teams in, as well as you know the World Cup uh, coming to the United States, you know that could do numbers for the sport. So definitely, as an MLS fan, hoping that we can uh, get all four of the teams in, but just hope that the Revolution uh, are the ones lifting the trophy at the end. We'll see what happens there, Sam. I'll talk to you next Friday. Good luck during the league match. Okay. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Daniel. All right, thank you very much, Sam Minton from the Bent Musket of SB Nation covering the New England Revolution. Joining me now, of course, this man's been enjoying the action in CCL with New York City FC. And, of course, it's my good friend Michael Ander from Blue City Radio. Michael, I hate to ask you this question, but I'm going to have to do it. What was it like for you to see... The majority of Rentschler Field in East Hartford, Connecticut, filled to the hilt of Comunicazione fans of Guatemala. Dan, uh, thanks for uh, inviting me on. I didn't think that was going to be the first question. But, uh, you know, I'm going to say one thing that I I think it was Sean Johnson said last year uh, as NYCFC was in the middle of their, uh, their their cup run. He said, look, you know what? We've been playing so many games in so many different stadiums because of the situation with Yankee Stadium that uh, it made perfect sense for them to be able to accomplish what they did uh, in in New England, in Philly, and then uh, eventually in Portland. So I don't think that situation was really uh, something that, that, sh- that, that shook the team. Uh, do what, was I surprised? Uh, yeah, I fully admit I was surprised by the uh, the number. The ratio I heard was five to one. Communication fans oh. to NYCFC fans. Oh yeah, but uh, yep. But it's uh, look, you know, the team still, uh, despite the uh, despite the the support in the in the uh, in the stadium, got the job done. Three uh, one is not perfect, but it's uh, 
it, it, it should be enough to, uh, to go down to Guatemala and get the job done. Now, let me just say this. Obviously, the players know what they were probably in for, and I bet you some of them knew this was going to happen. But as a supporter and also as a media member of the club, I mean, it had to be disheartening to see all those Guatemalan flags on the other side of the pitch waving around, celebrating uh, a goal, and, you know, just, just standing there like, you know, I mean, I understand – Everyone's not happy with, you know, you got to go to a different uh, stadium that's not your own. But to see that, that has to be devastating for a supporter. Well, I mean, look, we've lived through it. Uh, I was in Red Bull Arena when, when the U.S. hosted Costa Rica. Uh, it's, uh, it's not ideal, but it's, uh, it's one of those things where uh, I think the players on the field will, will tell you that um, – you focus on on what happens inside the lines. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to lie. You you would have wished that even the supporter section of NYCSC would have been uh, more full. But uh, th- this this supporter base is um, quite honestly fed up. Uh, this is this is a situation where uh, there were a lot of people saying, what, you know, why even come back to to uh, to Connecticut? You know, why not pick a, a more neutral location? Uh, some, something that would be harder for the Guatemalan fans to, to get to. But from reports I had read, uh, Glenn Crooks, who covers the team, he bumped into some Comunicaciones fans from uh, from Michigan that had driven 12 hours to, to see that game. So uh, I don't think there was much that was going to keep that, that fan base away. No, I agree with you there. Look, let's be honest. Uh, these uh, soccer fans from, you know, immigrating over from Central America, from South America – you know, that Mexico, they're always going to come in numbers and they're always going to show their dedication and they're going to buy the ticket. So there's nothing you can really do about it. But I will say this. Um, I thought they played a very strong game. Uh, I know that was tough that you had the opening goal wiped out due to VAR. What was the official call on that? Was that an offside or was that a handball before it went in? Well, the, the goal was... Uh was originally called uh, on the field to be a goal. Uh, the, 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 the point in question was, did the ball come off the defender's leg or was it a direct pass from Santi Rodriguez? Uh, that's the issue where I, I felt there was not, at least from the angles that they were showing, that there wasn't conclusive evidence to overturn it. But it was clear that uh, Talish was in an offside position. The, uh, the question was, did, did it, was it a deflected pass or... Um, or was it a direct pass? The the one thing I think everyone agrees with is uh, Talish uh, that that finish was was uh, you know a, a beyond a, you know another level beyond the, the the fact that he was able to to receive the ball and put that uh, put that touch in uh, it, it shows the quality of the player that he is. It, it was just unfortunate that he he was in the offside position when that happened, but uh, I think that uh, that despite the fact that he didn't get credit for the goal, that was really one of the games. And you're going to see more of those performances as, as the season progresses. Uh, this is going to be a breakout year for the, uh, for the young Brazilian. Yep. I agree with you there. I think he's going to have a heck of a season, but obviously you're on a O2 hole at the moment to start the year, but we'll see what happens down the road. Um, once again, down the road, we're, Castellan- we're, 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 we're about 12 hours away from, uh, or maybe it's uh 
they were maybe 14 hours away from there, uh, them taking, you know, raising the banner in Yankee Stadium. So, uh. yep, that's true. That's true. Uh, once again, Castellanos, 29th minute, punched it home. Nothing wrong with that one. Made it one nil. I mean, once again, he stepped it up big time as always. He's done. He did so in the opening leg of the round of 16 on the road, and then uh, I think he had a, a couple more or another one in the second leg when they were in Los Angeles at uh, Bank of California. What does it mean to have a guy like that who's so prolific right now for NYCFC? Well, I mean, it means the world. Uh, he, you know, it, what it, one of the things that I think it really helps demonstrate is it really doesn't matter who NYCFC faces between Talish, between uh, Maxi, and between uh, Tati. They have you know, three players, maybe even four if you include Santi Rodriguez, depending on how, how well he does, that could be the best players on the field. And I think that's one of the things that uh, that you need to win this championship. You need to win this uh, this competition. And I, you know, I heard uh, Sam say he hopes New England uh, raises the trophy at the end of this uh, this tournament. New England's got a quality roster as well, with uh, with Heal and uh, and Busca and uh, and then adding out the door. So it's going to be a great competi- competition. But that's what it means. It means that you have players that are not only capable of uh, of being the best players on the field. But they also are, are doing it. And uh, Castellanos on uh, on Tuesday night, the one goal and then two assists. He's uh, he definitely was uh, was the guy who uh, who controlled the, the at least the offense for for NYCFC. You know, Maxi is the guy who pulls the strings. But Tati was there, and uh, he had an assist on Maxi's goal, which was uh, a pass that a lot of people didn't think Tati had in his in his uh, in his arsenal. And sometimes I like to hide that stuff when until t- t- they get to the pitch. So we'll see what happens there. <laughs> it could have been a training ground move. We don't know what they do. Um, that like and now of course the equalizer in the 60th minute. Manuel Gamboa. It's an away goal uh, for Comunicaciones. Uh, erupts the visiting Comunicaciones supporters. That had to be tough to to watch, and obviously. You know, look, he took a, he took it well. There's nothing to do about it, but that was tough. But like you said, Castellanos, two assists later on, Maxi Morales, five minutes later, and then six minutes later, oh, excuse me, Santiago God Rodriguez bless. makes it three. Thank you. Uh, Santiago Rodriguez makes it 3-1, and that's all she wrote. And New York City FC head down to uh, Guatemala to try and finish it off. Yeah, the, look, I thought um, I thought NYCFC was uh, was in really was in a, a really bad spot when Guatemala uh, when Comunicaciones uh, equalized. They had uh, they came out at halftime and they uh, they really dominated the the, uh, the pressure for the second half. And it was funny because in the first half, it was very difficult for Comunicaciones to uh, to get out of their own defensive end, and all of a sudden. I don't know what their coach said at, at halftime because they came out and they dominated and they didn't let uh, you know let their foot off the gas until until uh, they, until they equalized. But then once they equalized, it seemed like uh, NYCFC was able to put it into another gear. Uh, three to one is a good scoreline. It's not great um, that that one away goal could uh, could really come back to haunt them because uh, I think uh, Comunicaciones is is very much capable of getting two in their own turf. The question is going to be: Is NYCFC going to have what it takes to uh, to show up? 
again, you asked about the, the crowd in, um, in Hartford, and I think that's the one thing that NYCFC could tell themselves. Look, we, we did it against the hostile crowd once. Uh, let's see if we can do it again uh, when, when they have to go down there for uh, the second leg. No, I agree with you there. And then when you get down there, do you think right now Dahlia is looking at the tapes from the round of 16 when the Rapids were down in, in Guatemala at Comunicaciones? To me, I, I think that's a big, big thing to try and game plan against this uh, Guatemalan side. And let's be honest, this Guatemalan club or any club from Guatemala, even the national team, they were punished by FIFA because of players interfering with a Guatemalan FA ban due to, um, I believe it was a, a suspension of illegal drugs in, their, in their, some of these players' systems. And then they went to their government uh, you know, body of sport or, or government sport government and wiped that and wiped it out, and FIFA felt that was uh, infringing on what they have to do with governmental interference. Do you feel Comunicaciones is going to be very plucky in that second leg? Well, I, I do, but I, I, you know, I guess uh, look, you, you you said it. They have everything in the world to play for. Uh, this is this is a a team and a and a nation that would. Um, would really get behind, uh, you know, an advancement into the into the semifinals. So uh, that adds a lot more. Um, you know, it's that pressure, which could be a good thing, or it could be something that really helps lift the team uh, to, to you know to, to victory. The uh, the one thing I will say, and I'm sure Ronnie would say the same thing. NYCFC is more going to be focused on what they have to do and how how they have to play. And that's the one thing that I have. Uh, I, you know, again, the, you listen to the pundits. That's the one thing that you're hearing consistently about the teams that are currently playing in, uh, in, in this, uh, this current version of uh, the Champions League. They're not changing the style that they have to play. Uh, you know, let's think about uh, Red Bull uh, when, they, when they've had their success or end or failures in the playoffs. I remember the famous game against Chris Armis, that Chris Armis had against Atlanta. And uh, there was a lot of questions of was was Chris Armas going to change the way uh, Red Bull played to try to uh, counteract Atlanta, and that's the one thing that we're seeing is that NYCFC really doesn't have to do too much to worry about what Comunicaciones is going to bring to the table. NYCFC, New England, Seattle, uh, even Montreal, they're strong enough teams to where they can just play the game that they're used to playing, and uh, they probably have enough talent to. Uh, Talent and depth, which are two two key elements, to uh, to, to to you know advance and uh, and de- defeat their opponent. What would it be like? You know, we've been following this league for a good long while. We've been following MLS. Um, I know I have since its inception in 1996. I don't know how do you uh, do you go that far or uh, you slipped in no, somewhere I'm a little bit like later. The... Uh, yeah, I'm a little bit later. Probably uh, 2000. Yeah, uh, early 2000s. I never okay. went to Giants Stadium. No, that's Stadium. fine. I can tell you, I can tell you, I can tell you that. Huh. Never went to MetLife okay. or you know, Giant Stadium, yeah. Yeah, Giant Stadium, yeah, no problem. But I want to ask you this question. I asked Sam this question earlier. If we can get our MLS clubs, the three from here in the States and Montreal that represents Canada, that they can all 
get to the semifinals and battle each other, what feather in the cap would that be for MLS in this edition of the tournament? Oh, a huge. I, I don't think uh, – I, I think the funny thing that's going to be – that's going to happen, because, I mean, we've all, we've all been there, right? Montreal, uh, a few years ago when they were uh, playing Call of America, everyone was a Montreal fan. Didn't matter. You know, as long as you were you know, an MLS fan, you were rooting for Montreal. And that's going to be the interesting thing to see what happens if a uh, if certain number of teams advance, because now all of a sudden it's not about uh, – you know, having to just root for the MLS team. Now you can get all of a sudden that fan base can be divided. Is it going to be uh, Eastern conference, Western conference? Is it going to be, uh, you know, is it, is it going to be, you know, NYCFC versus new England, you know, a repeat of the, uh, of the playoff game from last year. It, it, there's a lot of things that are come into play, but I think for, I don't think there's going to be an MLS fan uh, out there. That's going to say, well, this doesn't matter. This is, this is big, especially with the with the news about what's going to go on in 2023 with the uh, the, the 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 leagues cup and and the the, the change there, because I think that will give a lot more teams comfort and knowing that there are uh, the investment that uh, the teams are allowed to make in rosters and the uh, the spending that's going on in the in the league, that this is going to be uh, all of a sudden the t- the tide's going to turn, and it, what do we call it the watershed moment where it's uh. Now all of a sudden you, uh, you know, you're not on par yet. You still have to win, uh, be be more consistent, but you're not going to sit there and and be terrified. No, exactly, and that's the one thing that they got to do. They got to go down outside of Montreal, um, and obviously NYCFC's got to do what they got to do in Guatemala. But Seattle and the Revolution have to go down to Mexico, and they must find ways to at least throw some form of fear to these Mexican clubs that have been using, you know, home field advantage to their advantage, obviously, for a very, very long time. All right, Michael. Well, listen, I'll talk to you next week on Friday. Good luck down in Guatemala uh, for against Comunicaciones. I don't know if you're going to go or not, but uh, I hope uh, let's see what the New York City FC can do, and let's see if they can uh, – Make that dream come true. Uh, let's hope. So take let's care. Hope. Thanks so much for having me on. No problem. Thank you for coming on. Talk to you next time. All right. Michael Ander, Blue City Radio, talking about New York City FC with their 3-1 victory over Comunicaciones of Guatemala. And now they got to go down to Guatemala to take on that same club in the second leg next week in midweek action. All right, so Seattle Sounders, what can you say? Destroying Club Leon 3-0. Just amazing to watch. Just amazing to see. And they have done an amazing job going out there and finding a way to take out uh, one of the tougher clubs in all in all of Mexico 3-0. It's going to be a hard one. 
second leg. I think once they get the uh, away goal, I think you've called it quits on Club Leon, and it's a possibility that it's all over. So we'll see what happens um, heading over there down in Mexico. And like I said already, Montreal lost 1-0. Could have been worse to Cruz Azul. Could have been worse. But they found a way to go out, and they found a way to keep their hopes alive. They did the same thing. They did the same thing against uh, Santos Laguna. And we'll see what happens moving on down. We'll just have to wait and see. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here is the schedule for the second leg in the quarterfinals of the CONCACAF Champions League. We have on Tuesday, March 15th, at 9 o'clock Eastern, Communicaciones versus New York City FC. You can watch that on TUDN USA, no Fox Sports 1 or 2 or Fox Soccer Plus for that one. That's uh, that's tough to and terrible to see that. And on Wednesday, March the 16th, at the Estadio, or shall I say the Stad Olympic, Olympic Stadium, at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday, March the 16th, Club de Foot Montreal hosting Cruz Azul at 9 o'clock. And once again... No Fox Sports for that one, but there will be on Fox Sports 1 at 11.15 p.m. Pumas Unam versus New England. And then on, I believe, on yes, on Thursday, March 17th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Leon versus Seattle Sounders down in Mexico, and that will be on Fox Sports 1. So, once again, Fox Sports, who is supposed to be the English language provider for the CONCACAF Champions League, has decided two of the four games are only going to be broadcasted on TUDN, no Fox Sports 1, no Fox Sports 2, no Fox Soccer Plus. I understand it's probably going to be college basketball being played. That's, in their minds, more important. But if you have Fox Soccer Plus, then I don't understand what the problem is that you cannot put both of these games on two different dates on Fox Soccer Plus. And don't get me wrong. I'm happy that TUDN is broadcasting two of the four games. I'm very happy about that. You are the English language contracted broadcast network for sports in the U.S., Fox Sports to show this tournament. 
I mean, how much more do we have to deal with you? How much more do we have to deal with you? Honestly. You feel you want to be the nation tournament soccer. You'll take the Copa America. You'll take the Gold Cup. You'll take now the Euros. And you refuse to help here the USA. Oh, but we have MLS. No, 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 no. This is helping MLS internationally. Something you've forgotten. It is an absolute travesty. A travesty. You cannot at all you cannot show the American soccer audience the CONCACAF Champions League. Look, I understand it's not as prestigious as the uh, Copa Libertadores in South America. Obviously, the UEFA Champions League is the creme de la creme. That's fine. That's not a problem. That is not the situation that I am talking about. I am talking about showing the respect to allow this tournament to shine. And if you're not going to allow this tournament to shine, well then, I would like to have another broadcaster show it. If you feel you are not up to date or up to par, Fox Sports, to have a professional broadcast, Beans League, even with the new expansion in a couple of years. If you cannot, you know, do American soccer fans a favor and show their clubs what is going on, then I feel you should just not produce MLS, CONCACAF Champions League. I would even say don't even have the Gold Cup anymore. This is why I continue to say with the professionalism of CBS Sports, CONCACAF Nations League, CONCACAF World Cup qualifying, Serie A, Scottish Premier League, the Argentine First Division, the Brasileiro, maybe you should allow CBS to handle all CONCACAF club and national team events, and even the youth events. Because right now, you're a disgrace. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, I am not going after 
Rob Stone. I am not going after Alexei Lawless or Maurice Edu or Warren Barton or J.P. Della Camera, John Strong, or Stu Holden. I'm not going after the broadcast talent for soccer. I'm not. I, I, I am not going after them because they do a great job. They all do a great job. But, you know, if you're trying to enhance this region of CONCACAF, do you want to do it or do you, don't, or do you not want to do it? I know you've shown CONCACAF League on Fox Sports 2 many, many times, and that's nice of you. But honestly, what about Champions League, CONCACAF Champions League? If you can at least assist with that here in the U.S., everything would go smoothly and according to plan. We don't have to worry about TUDN because they're in, you know, deals with both Liga MX in Mexico and, of course, the United States. They will show MLS sides. They will show Liga MX sides. And those clubs who are performing that are from Central America and the Caribbean that will be their moment and their time to shine when they face these uh, clubs from the U.S. and Mexico. We all know this. They're going to get their day in the sun. And whether they uh, pull off a miracle, then they pull off a miracle. But right now, you are being shameful. This is why I get angry. This is why I get upset. This is our region. It's not sexy. It's not perfect. I understand. But the point is, they are doing their best, CONCACAF, to try and earn respect. And at the moment, it is disgusting what Fox Sports has done. And I really think CBS would be much better not just to have the CONCACAF events, but also to be the secondary broadcaster for MLS in English. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this will do it for tonight's show. I want to thank Sam Mitten from the Bent Musket of SB Nation and Michael Ander of Blue City Radio as they come back next Friday to talk about their clubs. My name is Daniel Foyerstein. Talk to you on Monday. Take care. So long and bye-bye for now.